Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. There's no doubt about it that the Word of God is under attack today. From the inerrancy, to the inspiration, to the infallibility, to the preservation of God's Word, the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is under attack. There's no doubt about it in my mind that marriage is under attack in our world today. And just for the record, marriage has always been and always will be in the eyes of God between one man and one woman. There's no doubt in my mind today that, that, that the sanctity of life of a little, little baby, whether outside of the mother's womb or inside of the mother's womb, is under attack. And today we know that God loved us with an everlasting love before we were ever formed in our mother's belly. There's a lot of things that are under attack today, but, but I submit to you today that, that I know we harp on marriage and we harp on abortion, we harp on the Word of God a lot, but, but may I share with you a, a thought today that Christian manhood is under attack more than anything else in our world to this very day. You know, uh, 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 several weeks ago I decided that I wanted some new pairs of jeans. Now, you can call me tight all you want to, but I call it thrifty and frugal. Your boy is not paying more than $20 for a pair of jeans. Um, so so I, I waited, waited forever to find these, these jeans, but I finally found the right deal for me where I got three pairs of jeans for under $20 a piece at Belk. And, and, I, and throughout this whole process, my dad said to me, he said, Brian, don't you buy any of them skinny jeans because you'll look like a sissy. <laughs> so today I wanted to label my sermon uh, uh, that real men don't wear sissy pants. <laughs> Uh, but but, I, but I, I, I'm going to stick with these four words. Real men love Jesus. Real men love Jesus. No, it's not necessarily about your outward expression that we're wearing, but it's about the inward all the way down to the inside. Today, I know that, that a lot of people call themselves men, but they don't love Jesus. And I'm here to tell you something, that if you're a real man, you're going to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Today, I just want to share with you how we can become great men. And today, yes, it is a message for all the men, directed to all the men today. Don't worry, ladies, I'll get you next week. <laughs> but we can all apply these things to our lives. Now, before we dive into this passage about how we can, can love Jesus as being men, I want to share with you that Paul's writing to this young man named Titus. And Titus is on this island of Crete. And there he's laboring. He's advancing God's word. He's advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And his number one priority was while he's there establishing churches is to find men to raise them up and to ordain them to oversee the congregation of God and the local churches of this day. And while he's there, he encountered a lot of false teachers. And, and we looked at that last week about how these false teachers, how we can identify them and how they were polluting the Word of God and the congregation of God. And today, I submit to you that there must have been an issue in the island of Crete about real men and how they are called to lead the way, not just in society, but I believe in the local church right here, right now. So men of all ages and stages in the house of God today, will you rise up to the occasion and be the man that God has called you to be? Perhaps 
We have seen a rise in women leadership in churches today because the men that God has appointed to do those leadership roles are not willing to submit themselves to the will of God and the word of God and to fulfill those roles. Today, I'm thankful for a church that has a lot of men here. In fact, many of you men here today know a whole lot more about the Bible than I do. And you have been a Christian for far longer than I have, and I'm thankful for you. But today, it's just a simple reminder that real men are going to love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Today, I want to share with you six steps of how we can become great men. And in verse number one, the Bible says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. The word sound, it means uncorrupted. It means something that has not been polluted or defiled by man. And it's speaking about the words and the doctrine and teachings of God. So this, what he's about to share with Titus, is the uncorrupted doctrine about men in the church. Specifically, the Bible says the aged men. Now, if you go back and you study the Roman Empire, you'll know that, that anybody from 40 years old and older, they considered as aged men. So if you're over 40 today, you're an old man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but seriously, uh, that's really what we believe is being referred to here in this passage. That the aged men around the age of 40 are the ones who are, were called to be an example to the younger men in the congregation. And, and the same principle applies for the, the older, the aged women in verse number 3 that we'll get to next week. So a young man... In this context that Paul's writing was somebody from 39 years old around that all the way down to just a little child. And then I found it very interesting that around the age of 60 during the Roman Empire is when somebody packed up their working bags and settled into retirement stage. And there is a time period where we cease from our hard labor and we begin a time of meditation and contemplation and then just serving God to our greatest ability without having to worry about going to our 9 to 5 or 8 to 5 job. But with all that in mind, I want to draw your attention to verse 2. And it speaks about these aged men, these older men. And the first word is sober. Say sober with me. Sober. As I read this word and have been meditating on this word, I wrote down this first step to becoming a great man. Great men are seriously minded in their decision making. Great men are seriously minded in their decision making. Now this word sober, from a literal perspective, it means not being intoxicated with the world's intoxications. And may I say this, that in order to ever be seriously minded, we've got to lay down drunkenness and we've got to stop getting high with all the drugs in our world. It's time that we get high with the Most High and get high on the Word of God. And the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's time that the men of God in the house of God are totally filled with the Spirit of God. Maybe that's what's wrong with our church today. Is we're so full of self, so full of the flesh, that we've said to the Spirit, it's time for you to leave and time for the flesh to have His way. No, my friends, it's time to say, God, may your will be done. God, may your Spirit have His free course in our lives. This word sober, from a uh, figurative perspective, means seriously minded. 
And so I've labeled my first thought today is this great men are seriously minded in their decision making. You know, a, a, a person who wants to be a great man of God, they're, they're going to they're gonna look at, at something and they're going to walk into the belk and say, well, that pair of jeans costs $100. That's going to break my account. Not going to do that. Uh, just kidding. Uh, that was a joke. That, yeah, never mind. You had to get the introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, Somebody's going to look at a decision and say, hey, how is this going to affect me the rest of my life? They're not going to just make an impulsive decision about their family, about their finances in their house, or, or about their children, or about their future as a child of God. They're going to say, hey, if I make this decision, then how is it going to affect me in the long term and in the short term? Yes, we talk about investing. Yes, we talk about investing in the short term and investing in the long term. And it's good to do both. But I'm here to tell you something. It's time that we invest in being seriously minded, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. How are we doing, fellas? Are we seriously minded in our decision making? Are we making sure that our decisions are, are going a little bit further and saying, hey, is what I'm about to do, is this transaction I'm about to make, is this decision I'm about to do, is this job I'm about to take, is it glorifying Almighty God or is it glorifying me? Sober is what we need in the house of God. Great men are seriously minded in their decision making. I wrote down secondly after reading the word grave. Say grave with me. Grave. One more time please. Grave. No, this is not speaking about a cemetery. Although we've all been to the cemetery and we've seen the graveyard. And we've seen that place where we take a deceased corpse, somebody who's lived their life, and we lay their physical earthly body to rest in the cemetery to await the day of resurrection. And if you don't believe that it's a resurrection day, you need to read the words of God because Jesus talked about the resurrection of the just and the unjust in the last day. But as I read this, it, it, it has to do with being respectable, honorable, and honest. So here's what I wrote down. Great men are honest in everything they say and do. Great men are honest in everything they say and do. How come we live in a generation? All generations within this one generation. So everybody who's living today. Why is it that, that we don't hold our word like we used to? Why is it today that instead of Shaking somebody's hand and saying, that's final. Why do we have to have a 3,500 page book with a contract to sign our name at the end? Why is it today that even with that 3,500 book, with all these crazy laws to make sure that we're all good legal, how come even after we sign that dotted line, we still don't keep our word today? Why is it that we don't keep our word when it comes to our bill paying? Why is it that we don't keep our word when it comes to our relationship with God and saying, God, you put them on my heart to give this to the work of the ministry, and I'm not doing it now. Great men are honest in everything they say and do. We hear that saying, honesty is the best policy. And that's a great saying. But I like what... What, what, what one person said. said. They said this, Honesty is not the best policy. Honesty is the only policy. The last time I checked, back in the days of Moses, when God was meeting with him on top of Mount Sinai, 
And wouldn't you like to have been in that meeting? What a, what a great encounter with God he had that day. Uh, those 40 days of, 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 of being in the presence of God. And there he, he sent old Moses back down to, to the people of Israel. And he was carrying these, these, two, old, these two tablets of stone. And, and on one of those tablets, you know what God wrote on his, with his finger? He said, Thou shalt not bear false witness. In other words... Don't lie and be honest in everything you say and do. Then as we transition from the Old Testament age into the New Testament age, Jesus quotes those words and he said, Thou shalt not bear false witness. And time and time again, the Bible says that if, that if we say that we love God and we, we do not speak the truth, then we are liars. Great men are honest in everything they say and do. To all the men today, all the ladies and all the children have their eyes on you. They're looking to see how you're living. To see if, if you're cheating on your income tax. To see if you're, you're cheating your job. To see if you're cheating in different areas of your life. To see if you are being honest. I wonder today, if we were to pass out an examination... And, and we were to ask ourselves on a scale of 1 to 10, how honest are we with ourselves, men and women and boys and girls, all of us today? I wonder, probably, probably most of us would, 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 would try to be as gracious and merciful, but, 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 but I wonder if, if God were to analyze our hearts today, if He would find us as truth-tellers or liars. What did John say in Revelation? You remember what he said? He said, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. That's not saying that if you've ever told a lie, you're going to spend eternity in hell. What it's saying is that anybody who's told a lie without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ will split hell wide open. Now, I know that's not very popular today. I know that real men loving Jesus is not very popular today. But I want you to know this, that if we're going to be honest, we have to be honest with the Word of God. We can't just pick out, you know, John 3, 16 and shovel out everything else in the Word of God. The Bible says that if, that if we don't put our faith in Christ, then God's wrath is going to be upon us in the afterlife. Great men are honest. And everything they say and do. Great men are seriously minded in their decision making. But may I share with you from the word temperate. Say temperate with me. Temperate. One more time please. Temperate. I know this is not a word that we use a lot. But it just simply means self-control. I wrote down the third step to becoming a great man. Great men practice self-control rather than than self-indulgence. Great men practice self-control rather than self-indulgence. Apparently, these Christians were men who, who would indulge in everything. They had literally no self-control in thought, in word, in deed. And as a result, it was reaping the judgment of God. As I think about this chapter, as I think about this scene in the days of Titus, in the days of Paul, in the days of the island of Crete, I think about America and how we have become the mo one of the most self-indulging cultures that our world has ever seen. We say the, the latest and greatest iPhone is just not enough for us. we got to have something better. The latest and greatest uh, video game system is not enough, so we got to have the better one. The latest and greatest automobile, you know, the 2020 is not good enough. The latest and greatest freshly remodeled house is not good enough. And listen, the latest and greatest... Uh, a piece of chicken from McDonald's just sure ain't good enough for us anymore. <laughs> 
Why is it that, that we indulge in sin rather than indulging in holiness before God? Temperate. Isn't that what, what Paul said to the churches of Galatia? He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. And he also said, what did he say in there? He said, temperate. Temperate. Self-control. Self-control is what we need. James, when he was writing that letter in the third chapter, he talked about how we put bits in the horse's mouths to steer that horse to the right to steer that horse to the left. He said in that letter how we put a small helm on the bottom of the ship to make it turn left, to make it turn right, to make it go straight. And he said in that chapter how that, that apart from the grace and mercy of God, the tongue, yes, it is, a, it is a poison sometimes, and that apart from God's grace and mercy, we can't control it. So I say this today, that the only way we can control what's going in and in our minds and out of our minds and out of our mouths and what we say and do is by the grace and mercy of God. It's digging into the Word of God and allowing God's Word to pour into our lives, allowing God to invest into our spiritual state, allowing God to help us make us more like Him. And I'm afraid today that because we have such a self-indulging culture that we are uh, uh, being more conformed to the world than more informed to the God of this world why is it that we care more about what the world says than what God said you know it's interesting a young man or a young lady can go off to church camp and they can make a vow to God at church camp and they can they can experience God in a great and mighty way and then they go off to school in the very next semester and they're afraid of, of the peer pressure about all their other friends so they lay aside those commitments and decisions that God has made in their life and I'm afraid that that it's not just young people making those commitments and then laying them aside but it's people and men and women of all ages and say so men of Cleaver Baptist Church it's time that we we say we're going to practice self-control and say God is greater than indulgence. God is greater than pleasing the flesh. God is greater than pleasing self. Great men practice self-control rather than self-indulgence. How does an alcoholic become an alcoholic? with one glass of alcohol. How does a drug addict become a drug addict? With one time getting high. How does a man become what the Bible calls a whoremonger? By sleeping around for the first time. Let's practice self-control, man. Because if we do it, it will be good for the rest of the people to see that there's still men in our world who love Jesus. Amen. Paul's idea shifts here. He talks about being sober. He talks about being grave. He talks about being temperate. The first three. But these last three are, are kind of like a heavenly triad. It says sound in, in faith, sound in charity, and sound in patience. 
And when you study the word faith, say faith with me. Faith. Say it again, please. Faith. Faith. It literally gives this idea about the doctrine, the body of doctrine, specifically about Christ for salvation in Him alone. So here's what I wrote down. I wrote down the fourth step of becoming a great man. Great men are uncorrupted in their beliefs about Christ. Great men are uncorrupted in their beliefs about Christ. If you want to be a great man, you're going to dig into the Word of God and you're going to find out what the Word of God has to say about the Christian faith. You're going to study the Word of God. You're going to go to the book of Genesis. You're going to read about how God created the earth. Not, not a product of Darwinian evolution, but it was God that spoke the world into existence. You're going to read about the history of Moses, how God raised up Moses, a great leader in the, in the Old Testament. How he, he led the people of God out of the, out of the bondage in Egypt, and then he bra- raises up Joshua, and he, and he brings on King David, and all these men throughout the Old Testament. We read about them, but, 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 and they had great faith in God. And then we read about Paul, and we read about, we read about Silas, we read about... We read about Timothy, we read about Titus here, we read about James, we read about John, and we read about how all these men, they had great faith in Jesus. And then as we study them, we're going to come to the, 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 this conclusion that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And salvation is believing in Christ's death by faith how it atoned for our sins on the cross and how He defeated death, hell, and the grave and He rose again. And that, my friends, is the only way to God is believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What did Paul say? He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that God has raised Him from the dead, he said, thou shalt be saved. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you want to be great, if you want to be great, you're going to study God's Word, and you're going to hold to that body of doctrine. I know that we hear all this stuff about prominent men within evangelicalism and Christianity who, who have once named the name of Christ, and then they denounce it, and it's happened over the years, and it's going to continue to happen. Because why? The Bible talks about apostasy in the last day, and if you want to be a great man of God, you're going to hold to the body of doctrine found in God's Word and not apostatize from it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, uh, excuse me, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith we cannot please Almighty God. I wonder, do we have men here today, men who are, are full of faith? Are, are you full of faith today, church? Do, do you love God with all your heart? Do you believe that Jesus is the only reason why we should celebrate life and have it more abundantly? Jesus is greater than any other man this world has ever seen. And if you want to be a great man, if you want to be a real man, you're going to love Jesus. You know, we can go on and on about, about, about Bible doctrine here. But as the days get worse and worse, as the Bible says, the Bible says that this man, this God-man named Jesus, shall return. In fact, in John 14, he said he was going to return. And he said, while he's gone, he's preparing a place for us. And I'm telling you something. Have you ever pre- prepared something for somebody before? Try to make it as nice. And, and I know that as I've come to several of your houses, you have prepared just some of the best meals that I've ever had. And I thank you for that. And, 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 and you know, let's do it again, okay? <laughs> um. But Jesus is preparing a place for us that's far greater than anything you could come up with or anything that I could come up with. And, 
And he said in his word that he's going to return. And I have to stand where God stands. Remember, a great man of the faith is going to stand where God stands in his word. And Jesus said he's going to return. And so if there's somebody in this world that doesn't want to believe that Jesus is coming back, well, listen, the Bible says in Thessalonians, the Bible says in John, in fact, the Bible says all over the New Testament that Jesus is going to return. So if you don't believe in Jesus' return, then you don't believe the word of God. In fact, the last, to our best understanding about the Word of God, okay? I know sometimes my finite mind, my, my little old brain inside this skull right here can, can't always get my mind wrapped around all the Word of God. But I tell you what I have found to discover, that the next event on God's calendar is the rapturing of the church. And one of these days, give God the glory, we're going to ascend up to glory and be with Him up in heaven. And we will come back down and reign here on this earth with Him. Faith. Faith. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the faith of Enoch. It talks about the faith of Abel. It talks about the faith of Abraham. It talks about the faith of Sarah. It talks about the faith of Moses. It talks about the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and many and many of the others. And today I just wonder, do we have some men and women at Clearbrook Baptist Church who are full of faith in Jesus Christ? Real men are uncorruptive in their beliefs about Christ. May I share with you a fifth way that we can become a great man? We've looked at sound. Remember, this word sound, it means uncorrupted. So not just sound in doctrine, but sound in faith. So our beliefs about Jesus Christ. But then it says sound in charity. Say charity with me. Charity. One more time, please. Charity. This is the old King James way of saying love, but I like the ring of it. Charity. So here's what I wrote down. The fifth step. Great men Learn to love others the way Christ has loved us. Great men learn to love others the way Christ has loved us. How did Jesus love us? Well, Paul said in his great book called Romans that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So Jesus' love for humanity was a sacrificial love. Jesus came, and, and if you've done any study in the Old Testament, you know that these Israelites, they had all these laws, they had all these rituals, they had all these sacrifices, they had to bring in the doves, they had to bring in, in, in the, in the uh, grains, they had to bring in the, the, the lambs, they had to bring in all these animals, and they had to do it precisely the way that God said on this altar, and sacrifices a certain way. And the Bible said all that in the Old Testament to lead up to one day, how the Bible talks about how from the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain, and Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God from glory would step in here to this earth and humanity clothed in flesh but born of a virgin, the Bible says. And there he would be driven to the cross. And it was on that cross that his sacrificial love was made for you and me. And for once and for all, Jesus paid the penalty for sin. And all we have to do is accept the payment that he has made. Have you accepted that payment? His love not only was a sacrificial, but it was also selfless. I remember reading the Gospels and how Jesus, as we've studied before, he said, God, not my will, but thine be done. 
So Jesus' love was completely selfless. There he lay aside some of his divine attributes. There to be like you and be like me. How he thirsted and how he hungered and how he he was tired. He was weary and all those things. And, And the Bible says that his love was displayed for all the world to see. You say, well, I'm just not convinced the Bible's the word of God. Well, that's okay. One of these days you will be convinced. But if this can't convince you that God the only religious belief system this world has ever seen, that the God of the universe stepped into humanity to show his love for you and everybody else, how he died in our stead. Nothing else can compare to that love. Remember what he said? Yes, he said to love God with all your heart. But he said to love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes that's hard. (laughs) Sometimes that's hard. But it's not just meaning the person that lives to your left and to your right. It just means everybody that you come across with, love them as you love yourself. And sometimes we love ourselves pretty good, don't we? I mean, a lot of good. (laughs) So may God help us to love others the way Jesus has loved us. The last word here. Sound in faith, sound in charity, but sound in patience. Say patience with me. Patience. Say it one more time, please. Patience. I wrote down the sixth and final step of becoming a great man is this. Great men learn to endure every trial and triumph with patience. Great men learn to endure every trial and triumph with patience. This word patience, it gives the meaning and idea of endurance. Just as an athlete, a runner who's running a marathon, 26.2 miles of running. It's a long jog. And if you've ever done any kind of long distance running, you know that it can wear and tear on your feet. It can wear and tear on your shins. It can wear and tear on your knees and your joints and your legs. And it can wear and tear on you mentally and physically. And here as Paul is writing to Titus, he's saying, be patient. In other words, continue to endure the trials and triumphs that you're going to experience because there will come a time when men will not endure sound doctrine, the Bible says. And he says, Titus, while you're on that creek, while you're on that island called Creek, keep preaching and preaching and preaching because God has commanded you to preach whether they want to receive it and whether they reject it. Great men learn to endure every trial and triumph with patience. Now we live in a crazy society today where driving down the interstate at 75 or 80 miles an hour is just not fast enough for us. Getting all the way across to the west coast from the east coast in five hours by plane or four hours is just not fast enough for us. You know, heating up our hungry man in the microwave for three minutes or two minutes just ain't fast enough for us anymore. We have lost the, the characteristic of patience in our society. Young men and young ladies sometimes rush into marriage and five years later they have to kiss their relationship goodbye because they rushed into the marriage. We rush into decision making here and here and here and there and there and everywhere in between. But I want you to know this, that in every trial that you go through, every low valley that you walk into, and every high mountaintop that you get to see the beauty of life, I want you to know this, make sure you endure the climb up the uphill and the downhill with patience towards God. Yes, the Bible says patience is a virtue. And yes, many people have said throughout the history, don't pray for patience because God will surely give it to you. 
But what did, what did Paul say to the churches of Galatia? Did not he say in the midst of love and joy and peace, did he not say patience or long-suffering? Long-suffering is an old way of saying patient. God, why should we be patient? I'm glad you asked because God is patient with you and patient with me. The Bible said that his, that his, his promises are not slack and he is long-suffering to usward and that, that we all should, should, should receive his love and mercy and come to repentance. Real men love Jesus. Today, I'm not talking about whether you're wearing baggy jeans or skinny jeans. It's not about that. It's not about if you wear your shirt three sizes too small or three sizes too big. It's not about that today. It's about the inside all the way down to your heart. Do you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? The men in the church right here, I believe, are called to lead this way. So to every young man, to every Aged man, I admonish us all today to love Jesus Christ with everything we have. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.